When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when, they, when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marvelled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each in our own language in which we were born, Parthians and Medes, and Emilites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean? Others, mocking, said, they are full of new wine. Let's pray. Father, we would ask that as we come to your word, that you would open it up to our hearts, Father, and that our hearts would be opened up to you. We pray, Father, that you would speak into the deep parts of, of our lives. Father, we sang earlier that your word is mighty, releasing captives. And we pray, Father, that your word would do that in us, that where we're bound, that you would release us that we might receive everything that you have for us. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the story of Acts, and we've seen about Jesus ascending to heaven, and we've, um, we've talked about um, how they chose the, the, the person to replace um, Judas. And then we come to the great day they've been waiting for. Jesus had told them, in chapter 1, that they should wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father comes. Now, Pentecost is, is, is a feast um, of first fruits. It was the first um, feast of the year um, which involved uh, a harvest, a barley harvest. And it was 50 days after Passover that this occurred. And so you can see there's some significance in this because what happens later is we see the first fruits of the Spirit as people come to know Jesus. And it was also the day when the Jews believed that the law was given, that Moses had ascended into the mountain and he had come down and he brought the law of God. So again, we can see some significance here. Jesus had ascended and now he was sending his Spirit who would not only write the law on a tablet, but he would write it in our hearts. So to a Jew who was reading this, they would understand that there was deep significance in what was happening. I want us to note, it doesn't always show this in modern translations, but in verse, um, in verse uh, 1 of this, it says, they were all together in one accord. In, they were all together, with, sorry, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, some of the translations don't say this because they use different manuscripts, but I think this is important. These people, probably the 120 we read about in the chapter before, have been meeting together, 
perhaps 10 days. Jesus was with them for 40 days, we're told, and then he ascended. And this happened 50 days after the Passover. So they were probably together meeting regularly for 10 days, and they were all with one accord. And I think it's vital that we see this, that as churches, God wants us to be of one accord. He wants our hearts to be united together. These people were seeking and waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. If you remember in Matthew 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us wherever two agree on earth, it will be done for them. And then it does sort of remind me of Psalm 133 as well, which I will read. Psalm 133, it says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. The Lord commands the blessing where his people dwell in unity. And over and over again, Paul talks about his people being in unity. And I believe that that's part of what was happening in that time. They were coming into a unity of spirit where they were, they were praying and seeking God and that his spirit would come upon them. And then we have this amazing thing that happens. They hear this sound from heaven, like the sound of rushing wind. And the house where they were, were, were sitting, it was completely filled with the presence of God. Now, I don't know if this was in the upper room or not, or whether they moved somewhere else. Um, but it does seem wherever they were, there was a large area where a lot of people could gather. Um, but I don't know exactly where this all happened. But this rushing wind came and they saw tongues of fire. And again, there's, there's ideas here that come from, from the Hebrew Testament, the Old Testament, when Moses, he saw the bush and it wasn't burning, although there was fire upon it. And then other places where, in Exodus, where there's the pillar of fire that guides them. And then when the, when the, ta- the tabernacle was um, erected and, and the, and the uh, temple, there was images of smoke and fire. And if, there seems to be temple language going on here as... as um, um, I can't think of the guy's name, whose book we're reading suggests um, uh, Tom Wright. There does seem to be temple language here. That this was God's new temple. It wasn't any longer in buildings, it was people. His presence was coming upon people. And this was the great thing later on that Stephen was trying to say and got stoned for. We are now his temple. His spirit has come upon us. And of course fire also talks of, of the, it talks not only the presence of God, but of of judgment as well. And um, in uh, Matthew uh, 3, 10 to 11, um, uh, John the Baptist says that he will baptise, that Jesus will baptise with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And that his winnowing fork will be in his hand. And in some ways that's what the Holy Spirit does to us. When he comes upon us in power, he also changes us within and he judges those things within us that need to be changed, that we might become more like Christ. And I guess when we read this, probably the first thing we think about, and especially if we come from a charismatic or Pentecostal background, is this whole thing of speaking in tongues. Now, again, there's a, there's a picture here, if we will see it. 
This is a reverse of Babel. If you remember at the time when the, the, uh, the people of the earth, they gathered together and they built this tower in which they were going to reach up to heaven and they were going to make a big name for themselves and God scattered them by giving them diverse, uh, diverse languages so they couldn't understand one another. And here we see them speaking the languages of the people. And in fact, if you go on in the passage in, in Genesis, uh, after Babel, we find the calling of Abraham. And Abraham has promised that through him, through his seed, he would have a mighty nation that would bless all the nations and God would gather them in. And again and again, Paul talks about that. So we see here, these languages come into them, a reversal of, of Babel. Now, it doesn't seem that these languages were our prayer language that we quite often speak. Now, I have been in situations where people have been given a tongue and it has been a real language. There's been someone there that's known that language and been able to interpret it. But this seems to be something that was specially happening for this time. I'm not saying that tongues especially for that time, but something different. This was a miracle. And I wonder what they must have thought because I don't know anywhere in, in, in the scriptures where it talks about the Holy Spirit coming and you were speaking tongues. They must have wondered what was happening. And I wonder how this happened because the Holy Spirit never takes hold of us and forces us to do something. And the only thing I can think of is this great mighty thing happened and they turned around and said, well, I believe and the next thing they were speaking in tongues. And, uh, and this, this wonderful thing happened. But speaking in tongues is still something for today and still something that we should, we should um, allow God to use in us. Now, I've often heard people talk about this as a static um, utterance and um, I can say that there's very little ecstasy when you speak in tongues. It's not necessarily a feeling. And I can remember the time when I was baptised in the Spirit. I think I was probably 18, 19 years old. And um, we had had a youth group which had been going a long time and we had a speaker come in. And he'd been speaking about the Holy Spirit. And I'd never heard about speaking in tongues or anything like that. I was completely naive. I didn't know it was controversial for a start. And something happened in that meeting. And it was a little like this, what we read here. The presence of God just filled the place. Someone had opened a door for something and there was just this, this presence that came in. And this guy who was leading this meeting he just came up to me and very gently said I'm going to start speaking copy me and I did and this language came and for it probably lasted seconds it was like I was transported into a marketplace somewhere I don't know where it was and I was reading a scroll from right to left and this really I don't know it was a strange experience for me but I know that from that moment on, God transformed my Christian walk. Up to that time, I'd been limping along. And it changed my Christian walk. And once I started speaking in tongues, very soon, God started to give me prophecy. Now, I think people worry about tongues. For a start, it sounds strange. They worry also because they think they may lose control. 
And I think there's a lot of people that really worry about that, that they might actually lose control if they start something strange like speaking in tongues. But I can assure you it's one of the few gifts that I know of that you can switch on and switch off at will. I can speak in tongues or I can not speak in tongues. And I know that when I pray in tongues, that often I'm praying for people. As I pray, people come to mind and situations come to mind which I knew nothing about. Sometimes I don't know what I'm praying and sometimes I do. Um, but I've never found my mind completely detached, although I'm not concentrating on the words. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians 14, he seems to be talking much more about this type of speaking in tongues. He talks about, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, about though we speak in tongues of men or angels um, as, as well. So these tongues are real languages, but sometimes they're not understandable to us. Paul also says that he prays in tongues more than anyone else, although in church he'd rather speak a word of prophecy or encouragement in the language they could understand. And I believe that every Christian, now I'm going to say something controversial, now most Pentecostals say unless you speak in tongues you're not baptised in the Spirit. Now I wouldn't go along with that, but my experience is that everyone who's baptised in the Spirit and wants to speak in tongues can I know when I first spoke in tongues, I thought that I had to wait for some special move of the Spirit before I did it again. And there's a lot of people who baptised in the Spirit, spoken in tongues once, never done it again after that. But it is something that we exercise, and it's part of our prayer language. Now, I think there is a difference from my own experience, and I am speaking more experience now than, than, than Scripture. There does seem to be a difference between tongues that are spoken in church and tongues that are our private, um, a private prayer language that God gives us. And I know that whenever I've spoken a tongue in church, there's been this sense of prompting, almost of having to hold it back and feeling like, no, I've got to give this because this is, this is something that God's given me. And often the language seems far more fluent and far more varied than my normal prayer language. And I've been blessed a number of times when there's been someone to interpret, and thankfully there always has been. And, and I can remember at times when I've been low and I've sensed God say this, this overwhelming desire to give a tongue for the church, and someone's interpreted it. And it's been about my longing after God, something I hadn't realised that was there. And it's lifted me up and it's lifted the congregation up. So it's a gift we shouldn't despise. It's a gift that's for the church. Paul gives us orders on how we should use it. But it's definitely something we should, we should be wanting and open to. And of course, some of us are just think, well, this is weird. Why would we need something that doesn't, um, that's so strange? And I don't understand it. It is a strange thing. But all I know is that every time I've used this gift, God has done something in my life. And the times I've neglected it, I have lost something. Um, I, I know that a few years ago, when I was really struggling with my illness, it was once when I was out walking the dog and God said to me, start speaking in tongues, and I hadn't done it for years. And it was within a few weeks of that that things started to change. I don't know what I was praying, but God did something in my life. But what happened on this day was something 
that was to change the church and these men forever. Not only did they have this gift, which seems spectacular, but they had power, power to, to do the, the thing that God had promised to do. The Spirit had come upon them. They were now the new temple of God. And that's what we now share in. This Holy Spirit is here and he moves among us. And if you've never experienced the baptism of the Spirit, and not necessary, there's not necessarily any big feeling to it, I would encourage you to seek God, that you might receive all the fullness, that you might receive him in, in, in your innermost being. Now I'm sure that everyone here who is born of the Spirit, who, who's in Christ, has the Spirit, but there's something, there seems to be something else this being filled with the Spirit that, that comes afterwards, and I don't understand it. But it just seems to be there. Anyhow, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you didn't leave us alone. That when Jesus went to heaven, he sent his Spirit. And Father, each one of us who knows you has known your spirit sealing us and, and making us new creatures in Christ. And some of us, Lord, have known that power pour and poured upon us afresh, Lord, and, and have been filled with your spirit perhaps many times. And some of us, Lord, have been filled once and it seems as if, I don't know, Father, as if there's, it's a desert again and things are, are, have gone dry. Father, I pray that you would pour afresh upon each one of us your spirit, Lord, that we'd be filled to overflowing and that we would be open to trust you to do what you want to do among us, Lord. We thank you that you don't come along and um, force us to do anything, Lord, but that you gently persuade us and gently prod us and Father, we would ask that we would have hearts that are open to do whatever you want to, that we might become more like Jesus, that we as your people will be effective in all that you call us to do. For we ask it in his precious name. Amen. I should say, if anyone wants prayer for the Spirit. I was just going to say, I think that having heard about the Spirit and being encouraged to seek the Holy Spirit, that we should spend some time doing just that. And to help us do that, we're going to sing a song. It's 1271 in the book. 1271. And it says, Here I am waiting. Abide in me, I pray. Here I am longing for you. Hide me in your love. Bring me to my knees. May I know Jesus more and more. And the way to know Jesus more and more is to allow the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. And as Paul was speaking, I was reminded of experiences in my past um, when I have had an experience with the Holy Spirit and it's been when I have been willing to be empty. If I filled my life up with too many other things and too much going on, then there isn't room to allow the Holy Spirit to come in. And as Paul says, he doesn't force himself. 
we have to be willing and open and invite him in. So we're going to sing this song and then we're just going to spend just a few minutes in quiet reflection on what Paul said. And as Paul said, if you want prayer to receive the Holy Spirit, then ask. You don't even need somebody to come and pray with you. God's here. And he'll do it if you ask him. But if you want somebody to pray with you, then please make it known to us and we will pray with you.